welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and... This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. everybody to Nightlight and our thanks to Ken Quiethawk for that amazing introduction. You can find him and his wife at nativestorytellers.com. Tonight's show is, is a humdinger. Um, it's a very exciting show. Our guest is a unique individual and he has written a book that is truly amazing. And um, I, I had never seen the book before, but, but having seen it now and, and read up on it, I'm, I'm very curious. I'm going to have to get it and read it. Mark has actually done the reading to it, and he's going to um, bring his guest on and enlighten all of us. Mark, where did you ever find this amazing man? Um, <laughs> I don't, uh, gee, uh, let's see, can I have well, uh, we were talking before the show, maybe six years ago, we started working together, collaborating on developing shows, and um, about a month ago, I, you know, I'm just like you, Barbara, I hadn't heard of Geff, and he, he you, know, uh, you know, Tim and I were talking, he's like, hey, I got you know, this new uh, book out, you know, Get the Talking Mongoose, and I was like, oh, okay, good for you. Uh, is it a you know, <laughs> children's book? And, you know, or, you know it could be uh, like a companion piece for, you know, Brian from Family Guy. I was like, what, uh, like how, how can that fit into our... Um, a talk show. It's like, oh no, no, it's it, it's actually a, uh, a case study of this haunting. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, that uh, is going to fit in perfectly with you know, uh, Varla, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. We got you know, Steve Asher coming up in a couple weeks, and you know, so we uh, it, it just you know, a nice grouping of. Uh, the, you know, these paranormal topics, and 
you know, like Ted, you know, both of us really hadn't heard uh, about this story. Uh, I'm sure loyal English listeners in East uh, Horsley, Barnsley, and Rotherham are familiar with it, but um, you know, I, I, it's uh, just a, a compelling book. And uh, you know, Tim, you really have something unique. It's a comprehensive book of what a cryptid ghost demon is it, a, it you know we we can't rule out the possibility that it was a hoax you know we're going to talk about that uh, <laughs> I, I i don't know what to think of it but uh you know, t- tim this you know gift the talking mongoose is uh, it was just a, a really uh captivating book you, you really did, did an excellent job on this Oh, well, thank you. Uh, I think that uh, we first ran into each other when uh, I was doing a podcast with uh, uh, Mike Mott uh, on uh, another network called uh, The Outer Edge, and uh, mm-hmm. he started uh, uh, finding guests for us, and uh, mm-hmm. and he found us some really great, uh, some really great guests as well. So, and that was you know what maybe you know five, like you said, about five yeah. six years ago. Yeah, and you know you were doing uh, a show with Rick Osman as well. So we you know, we go way back and uh, let's you know uh, let me give you a little bit more of an introduction for any of the uh, listeners who um, you know, don't, you know, don't know you yet, uh, but yeah, you know, you've been uh, providing commentaries on many episodes of Ancient Aliens. You're on the esteemed KCOR's uh, you know, radio networks ex- exploring the bizarre. Uh, you have books on uh, Tesla and time travel, uh, nefarious uses of Tesla's uh, technology, hollow earth, and all, all kinds of other topics. Um, you know, you've been a paranormal researcher for over 40 years. I even won a Emmy Award as a TV producer. I, you know, you've you know, really done a lot, all kinds of had all kinds of achievements in uh, journalism. So, and you know, yeah, we're just glad been, you're, I, you're with us. Oh well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I've been uh, uh, involved with this kind of stuff really. Um, since I was a kid, even though uh, originally I didn't want to be, <laughs> uh, uh, I I had to do a um, a report uh, in front of my third grade uh, class one time about uh, UFOs. Uh, the teacher would uh, randomly pick uh, uh, headlines from a uh, scholastic newspaper that our class used to get, and and one time I got a story about UFOs. So after I gave this story, and of course, you know, I didn't know anything about UFOs. I could have cared less. You know, Indiana boy, I, you know, I, I, uh, I was interested in uh, car racing and basketball, you know, things like that. 
So uh, after I gave uh, my uh, my my you know, class presentation, you know, I was now the guy who believed in flying saucers and a little green man from Mars, and you know, and that that was it for me. <laughs> you know, I mean, people, you know, they, oh, there's the guy who believes in you know flying saucers and all that stuff. And but what was interesting was that um, you know people would would make fun of you, you know, when there was a crowd around, but then later they'd come back when it was just, you know, uh, them and they'd say, yeah, I don't believe in this stuff, but, and then they'd proceed <laughs> to tell me a story, you know, about, uh, they, they saw, you know, his family saw a flying saucer over their house or their house was haunted by, you know, great grandmother, uh, uh, Lorene or, you know, something like that. And really that's how it's progressed for me, uh, is people who who come and tell me these these interesting stories, these fantastic stories that uh you know a lot of people uh, may have not have any kind of of knowledge base about say UFOs or the paranormal or whatever. Uh it's you know, it's a little bit more difficult now because uh you know reality television uh there's so many of these shows. I mean, oh my gosh, it's huh? practically every, every paranormal subject, you know, has their own TV show. You know, Bigfoot has a TV show. I mean, I'm waiting for the Loch Ness monster, you know, to have their own weekly reality <laughs> series. But uh you know, when I was when I was growing up, that kind of knowledge uh, uh, really wasn't as prevalent. So uh, people would have these experiences and they wouldn't know how to categorize them, you know, in their brain, uh, you know, because we all have like these, these little, uh, basically like cupboards uh, in our brain that, you know, we, we file away our daily experiences, but, you know, you have a daily, you, you have an experience where say like a UFO lands in front of you and, you know, little green men come out and steal your tires um, that's a little bit more difficult to uh, file away in that uh, card catalog in your head. So people will come to me and they'll tell me these stories because they're they were afraid that if they told anybody else, they'd be laughed at, and they probably would have been. You know, you, you, your family's the worst. You know, you tell your family members unless they've had <laughs> the same experience. You know, they're going to laugh you away from uh, the uh, Thanksgiving table. Uh, but. Um, you know, when they come to me and tell me these stories, they just want to be heard. They just they want to have that acknowledgement that they're not crazy. You know that that uh, that maybe something actually did happen to them. And that's what I'll tell them. I'll say, you know, that's uh, that's a great story, but you're not alone. Um, there's been you know thousands, maybe you know millions of people throughout history who have had uh, similar experiences, and you know we don't know what's going on, but uh, you're not crazy. And you can you can see with a lot of these people that weight lifted from their shoulders, and uh, and a lot of times that's it. I mean, they may never tell that story to anybody else again, but just that one chance. You know, to to tell the story and to realize that they're not alone, that they're that they're not crazy from their experience. That means the world to a lot of people, and that's really what what drew me into this is you know, were these personal experiences that you won't see written up in books or you know in magazines or now on reality television, and they're so widespread and practically I think everybody at least one time in their life has had some kind of uh, unusual off the wall experience and uh, you know some people will ignore it 
or try to explain it away as something mundane. Other people will let it fester the rest of their life because they just don't know how to deal with it. You know, Tim, what is it about um, you that makes people feel comfortable that they could talk about such a sensitive experience? Well, it it started, of course, like I, like I said earlier. You know, people were, you know, uh, friends would make fun of me be because they thought I was uh, just, you know, Mister Mister Flying Saucer or Mister UFO. That's that's uh, that's Tim Beckley's uh, uh, claim to fame. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, I don't know. I've always kind of had that um, had that ability that uh, people feel comfortable talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, to me, um, uh, and, and when they find, and when they find out that you know I'm interested or that I write about or investigate uh, uh, the paranormal or uh, and related subjects, practically everybody will say, "Oh yeah, you know I've had or I know somebody who's had," and uh, oh my gosh, I mean you know, at a party or something like that, and I'll just have you know people just talk my ear off. Uh, you know, one, one group will uh, finish it up, and then a new group will come by and start talking. So you know, it's just kind of progressed uh, um, from that over the years. And and plus, uh, when I was working in television, um, I I kind of had this. Uh, I'm not quite sure how, what you what you would call it. It really wouldn't wouldn't be a job because I never got I, I never got paid for this. But you know I knew all the other uh, reporters, not only at the stations that I worked at, but you know all the other stations you know in the market. And um, I would instruct uh, these reporters and producers and, and assignment editors uh, a lot of times on how to effectively. Uh, 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 do a report, you know, do a, a either a, um, uh, a a news segment or you know sometimes I'd have uh, the like the newspaper reporters you know come to me and ask me, but but how to uh, deal and write about this kind of stuff uh, without making it kitschy or jokey, you know, be serious about it uh, because. And I'm sure that you have seen this yourself. I mean, so many, uh, especially local news reporters, though the national news can be you know, just as bad about this, uh, something unusual happens in their town, UFO sightings, something like that. Anymore, they'll just go and they'll play, you know, like the X-Files music and, uh, and, and write this, you know, silly uh, uh, little right. story about about what happened and it's so cliched and just so lazy it's it's the lazy reporter's way of of dealing and uh producing uh a, a piece like that so what i would do is that you know i would help uh, a lot of these uh, reporters on how to cover something like that uh, responsibly how to get the best information from the witnesses and 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 you know and how not to make it look uh, uh, stupid. <laughs> that's what, you know. That's that's what I would tell these reporters. Don't you know? Don't don't take the easy way out. Don't be lazy. You know, do a good story. Uh, consider this story just as important as you would say, like a city council meeting or or you know the uh, the the five car wreck uh, uh, down on the highway, that sort of thing. And uh, and you know when when I was doing this, I I was very pleased that. Um, 
that a lot of the the people who had come to me and asked you know for my for my help uh, uh really did uh, uh learn and grow uh on on how to do responsible reporting uh with this kind of of, of, of phenomena okay well and tim I, tim i i don't want to be a uh, lazy uh reporter i want to be like my hero carl kolshak and <laughs> Start delving into <clears throat> the Geff legend. So, h- how did you, uh, you know, learn about this um, case? Uh, yeah, I, I guess it's a haunt, haunting case study. Yeah, uh, well, and it's it's pronounced Jeff, like you know, like oh, Jeff. Uh, I, I I suppose that it uh, it meant it to be spelled kind of like Chaucer, yeah, the Jeffrey Chaucer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I first heard about this. Uh, I was around. Um, Just another third probably, grade story. Well, no, this would have been more like middle school or junior high, <laughs> as we, we called it then. Um, I, I uh, ran across a, uh, a book by uh, uh, a parapsychologist called Nandor Fordor, uh, who uh, uh, was uh, did a lot of his research, investigation, and writing in the uh, 40s, 50s, up until the, uh, the, the the 1960s. And he had a book called Between Two Worlds that had been re-released as a paperback. Uh, and, and I just happened to you know, run across this and you know, buy it at the drugstore. And one of the stories that he had in there was about Jeff the Talking Mongers. Uh, uh, Nandor Fordor had actually um, gone to the, the location uh, in 1936, uh, which was you know, kind of late, in uh, how everything was uh, had had played out uh, previously, uh, he had actually uh, uh, written uh, the Irvings and had uh, 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 requested that they allow him uh, to come to their farmhouse on the Isle of Man and uh, spend um, about seven days uh, living at the farmhouse uh, with the Irvings and then the Irvings uh, being the, the, the nice people that they were, you know, said, sure, come, come over, but don't expect anything because at this point, Jeff has gotten more surly than he used to be and probably won't talk to you. And, and sure enough, uh, uh, he never did. There was some, uh, 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 some poltergeist activity, uh, a minor poltergeist activity while uh, uh, Mr. Fordor was there, but um, Jeff never talked. And uh, and and Hendor Fordor was so disappointed. He actually wrote a letter to Jeff and uh, and 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 sent it to, uh, to the farmhouse and and told Jeff how disappointed he was that that Jeff would not uh, would not make an appearance even after. Uh, Mr. Fordor had bought Jeff uh, gifts of uh, biscuits and chocolate, uh, which were uh, uh, Jeff's uh, uh, favorite uh, favorite foods. Uh, later, uh, Dandor would uh, would write about his experiences and uh, his his other investigations uh, and and speculations on on what he thought uh, was was going on there, and had it uh, uh, printed up in a book called Haunted People 
later on uh he included that uh, uh that chapter in a later book called uh, between two worlds uh, the one that i had uh, run across so you know i mean i like i said i was around 12 years old at the time and uh, so i mean i was uh, already familiar with this case though some of the writings that uh, i have run across over the years between that time and then when i started writing uh, my book um you know, you talk about uh, you know lazy journalism. You know, you could tell that some of these stories had been cribbed from earlier stories uh, because there was obvious mistakes, glaring errors, in fact, that just seemed to get you know perpetuated uh, over time. And uh, so, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do with my book was to really go back to the original sources, the original uh, uh, writings from the mm-hmm. people who who lived in this house where Jeff made his appearance, the original uh, notes taken by the investigators and reporters who were there at the time, uh, uh, Tim Beckley. Uh, the 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 my my good friend who is also my publisher, he was able to locate uh, a book written by the uh, the uh, 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 parapsychologist uh, Harry Price, who who did an extensive investigation uh, on this. The book was called The Haunting of Cajun's Gap. Uh, it was uh, uh, released in 1935. Unfortunately, it only sold about 400 copies and was never reprinted. So uh, Tim Beckley was able to find somebody who had an original copy and was kind enough to uh, uh, scan it for us. And so I was able to include this book uh, in my book. You know, and, and like I said, this book has not seen the light of day. You know, there may have been some sections that had been you know, put online here or there, but the full book in its entirety have, has never been uh, reprinted since uh, 1935. And so, you know, we're very happy to include it in my book and uh, and really just uh, bring to light a lot of information that um, uh, probably, you know, generations, literally, of paranormal investigators who have been interested in Jeff have never had access to. As we get started understanding the story, like with this talking mongoose, it's said in England, we have to learn about how Jeff ended up on the Isle of Man since uh, you know, mongooses aren't indigenous to England. No, definitely not. <laughs> so, 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 so maybe you need to put that little piece of the puzzle out there for the audience, and you know, start bringing all all the information together. Right. Well, uh, going back from the very beginning, which uh, uh, it, this this case started in 1931 and it involved a family named uh, the Irvings the uh, the father was named James Irving his his wife Margaret and at that time they had a uh, a 12-year-old daughter by the name of Vori uh, which is Manx for uh, Mary uh, 
the Irvings had been on this farm. The farm's name was Cashin's Gap, or Dorlish Cashin, uh, the Manx term for it. Uh, they had already been uh, living there for probably 16 years, I think. Um, uh, uh, Jim Irving, uh, well, uh, Jim and Margaret Irving had originally been from Liverpool, England. He had been a piano and organ salesman, and a uh, and a pretty successful uh, one at that. They uh, uh, were upper middle class. Both were uh, very well educated. Uh, um, uh, Jim spoke uh, several languages. And um, at one point, uh, because of World War One, his sales started dropping off, and 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 he was already, you know, uh, rather advanced in years. So they decided that uh, he was going to retire uh, from his uh, piano uh, uh, selling, and uh, they were going to buy this uh, this this farm on uh, the Isle of Man, which is an island that sits in the Irish Sea in between uh, uh, England and Ireland. Uh, his wife, Margaret, had family, uh, uh, like uh, distant uh, you know, cousins that, that lived uh, on the island. And at one time while they were visiting this family, they, they ran across a notice that this farm was for sale. And, and Jim thought that uh, you know, this would be a good uh, um, uh, a way for him to retire. That they would take, you know, their money and they would buy this farm, and uh, and that he would be a a, a, a gentleman farmer, uh, which is a <laughs> farmer that really doesn't do any work. That uh, all the hired hand uh, does the work, and you know he collects the he collects the money. Um, unfortunately, you know the 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 dream ended up being different uh, from reality. Uh, the the farm wasn't very wasn't very successful, and um, so uh, Jim and uh, and his family had to do uh, practically all of the work. Um, and at, at the point that they had moved to the island, they already had uh, uh, two children uh, that um, that were already grown. And they lived on the island with their parents for a couple of years, but then they moved back to England to start families of their own. And uh, and then Margaret uh, uh, got pregnant with Lori, kind of a uh, you know an unexpected uh, um, uh, surprise or, or gift, uh, depending you know on, on, on how you look at it. So here you have these these uh, uh, you know two people who were. Thinking about, I mean, you know, they they moved to the island to retire, and now here they have a baby. So, by the time the that Jeff made his appearance, Vori was twelve years old. All right, Jim would be in his early sixties, and then Margaret, the mother, was just a few years uh, younger than than Jim. Um, what had happened, and the story, there's kind of some conflicted uh, information about this, but uh, probably the uh, the, one, the story that makes the most uh, sense that, that I have run across was that Vori and Jim one day uh, came across this, uh, this animal that they said kind of looked like a, uh, like a weasel in the farmyard, that it was chasing the uh, chickens around. And this thing was... Um, it was barking at the chickens uh, uh, one minute, and then it was meowing at them 
uh, next, and it was this, you know, kind of almost like a mockingbird type of thing. It was making all kinds of different noises. So they chased it off, but apparently it moved inside of the house because shortly thereafter they started hearing something uh, uh, scrambling around, uh, you know, inside the walls of the house. Now, the farmhouse that they had moved to at, at you know, even in, in in the early 1930s, was very old. It had been built probably sometime in the middle 19th century, uh, though uh, some other researchers think that uh, it, it could have been built uh, even earlier than that, maybe as far back as uh, medieval times, uh, because unlike... Uh, other farmhouses in the area, this this house was fairly good size. It had two stories, uh, you know. It had a downstairs with a kitchen, and then uh, upstairs had uh, had two bedrooms, which uh, was rather unusual. Uh, it was made of stone, so when the Irvings first bought it, uh, Jim and some uh, hired hands actually went and uh, put um, uh, uh, wooden paneling on the inside to act as uh, kind of like insulation. So you had about a four inch gap that was in between this wooden paneling and then the original stone walls. And apparently whatever this creature was, it had gotten inside and, and had now uh, taken up residence uh, uh, living in this uh, uh, four inch gap. So Jim started putting out poison, you know, rat traps and, you know, those sort of things, and nothing worked. You know, the thing continued to scrabble around on the walls. And uh, at one point, kind of out of frustration, uh, Jim barked at it like a dog. And that's how it started. Uh, it, uh, this amused Vori, so she would meow at it like a cat, and it would meow back. And pretty soon, they noticed that it was making noises almost like a baby would make as it's learning how to, you know, and, and you know, assorted bounds and vowels. And, uh, and it progressed from there. Vori would read nursery rhymes out loud, and this thing started to parrot the nursery rhymes back. And, and then it got even more bizarre. You know, you think that's bizarre. It got even more bizarre because this thing developed an intelligence and a personality. It wasn't just parodying words and noises back. It started talking on its own. And it just uh, – and once it started talking, they couldn't get it to shut up. That was one of the problems with whatever this thing was. And even though it later identified itself as a mongoose. Um, nobody know nobody knows for sure. I mean, nobody ever really got, with the exception of the time that they they think that they saw it, you know, like outdoors uh, in the farmyard. Nobody ever got really more than just a fleeting glimpse of it after that time. But uh, it said that it was a mongoose that at uh, uh, in the early 1900s it had been uh, living in. India, and that uh, it had been trapped because a local farmer on the island had uh, had bought a bunch of, of mongoose to have brought over to take care of the uh, growing rabbit population. And so this thing said that uh, it had been trapped in India and then brought to the island and, and then released 
uh, with other non-talking, I guess, <laughs> uh, 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 fellow mongoose. Now, the the weird thing about that story um, uh, is that a couple of years later, Jim Irving found out that that story was true. Uh, he he came across an old uh, a newspaper uh, in the, uh, the 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 local newspaper. I, I think one of the reporters actually uh, turned him on to it. That uh, that had that story. You know, local farmer buys mongoose to uh, take care of rabbit population. And uh, so, you know, whether or not this thing that was living in their house was actually part of that that group of of, of mongoose that had been released, um, the story that it told was true. And uh, uh, you know, at first they called it Jack, but later it, uh, as I said, it it developed a personality of its own. It said that huh? it wanted to be its name was Jeff. It wanted to be called Jeff, and it spelled it out G E F, which apparently Jeff couldn't spell very well because probably he was trying to spell, uh, you know, like I said earlier, G E O F F. But G E F stuck, and that's that's what he went by. He was Jeff the Talking Mongoose. <laughs> okay, so you know, when you know, Tim, when you were talking about the early stages of the communication between Jim and Vori and Jeff, um, there there developed a, you know, know, a little uh, bond uh, between those. uh, At first, uh, a little closer with uh, Vori, you know, let's profile her a little bit. You know, it, it, the uh, first-hand accounts that are are, are included do make uh, note of the importance of her age and other things going on in uh, her life as a 12, 13-year-old. So yeah, let's look at how... You know, Jeff and Vori bonded at first. At first, nobody bonded with Jeff. Uh, they were afraid of him, naturally. The, the, uh, the family immediately suspected that they were being haunted. And, and you know, you know, why not? You know, you've got a voice coming out of your wall at various locations uh and it would you know it would talk in the kitchen one moment and then the next thing you know it was talking uh from the living room and the next thing you know it was talking from upstairs so you know naturally you know if if something like that was happening to you you yeah you'd be like oh we got a ghost in our house and they even went as far as to ask this voice you're a ghost aren't you which uh, uh jeff always denied uh, he, he'd always say, "No, I'm not a ghost. You know, definitely not a ghost. Living, living animal here. Just uh, extra clever, uh, little mongoose." Um, but uh, at at first, because of this suspicion, uh, there was definitely some uh, uh, clashes of personalities, so to speak, between the Irvings and Jeff. Uh, Jeff, uh, like I said earlier, would not shut up. He especially liked to talk. Uh, when everyone was trying to go to bed at night. 
and uh, sometimes <laughs> Jeff would talk up until like three o'clock in the morning. Which you know, if you're a farmer, you have to get up at the crack of dawn anyway. You know, three o'clock that only give you about an hour or so of sleep before you'd have to get up take care of the livestock. So, and then as well, Jeff uh, uh, cursed like a sailor. Uh, he uh, he had used that kind of language, but Jeff certainly did. Uh, at uh, early on, uh, they became so concerned that they moved Vori out of her room and into theirs, uh, which which really enraged Jeff. And uh, he went on kind of like a path of destruction. He wrecked things in the house. He screamed, cons- you know, all of the time. He he you know like made like huge bangs and raps in the walls that kept everybody up. And uh, he threatened him. You know, he, he he said, "I don't care where you move her to, I'll find her. And if I wanted to, I could kill you all." You know, he said saying horrible things like that. Um, but eventually, things kind of calmed down, and they moved Vori back into her room. And uh, and then for a while, uh, Vori and Jeff were uh, you know kind of like a, a, a good friend. She was fascinated naturally by by what was going on um he would tell her stories about what was going on around the island uh jeff was a uh a, a, a very bad gossip he would go allegedly to the neighbors houses and listen in on their conversations and then come back and tell vori all about what was going on you know with the uh, the, the people down the mountain uh, or what was going on, what was being said at the bus station. Jeff would uh, uh, travel down to the nearest town, uh, which was named Darby, and uh, go to the bus station and listen in on the bus drivers and the mechanics and, uh, and and the people you know traveling by the bus, and then come back and tell these stories uh, uh, to, to Vori. And, and naturally, you know, some of these stories probably weren't um, proper for a 12-year-old girl to be hearing. And, and uh, Margaret Irving, in fact, had to tell Jeff several times that uh, she doesn't allow uh, that kind of, uh, of, of talk in this house. Uh, eventually, though, Jeff tend, started to gravitate more towards uh, uh, Jim Irving. Uh, Jim really became naturally fascinated by by what was going on in in his house and had gotten to the point where he was keeping a journal a daily journal of of what jeff did that day what he said you know uh, what happened and thank heavens he did i mean he kept this journal from 1931 to about 1936 35 uh something <laughs> like that so i mean every day for all those years, he kept a journal of, of Jeff's activity, which was really valuable for uh, for me and other you know researchers in, in putting this this book together. Uh, Vori would later on say that um, that at first you know her and Jeff were were practically inseparable, but that uh, once he kind of became more uh, Jim's, and I'm not going to. You know, you want to use the word pet, but, you know, I'd see, <laughs> the pet really isn't a proper uh, term. Companion, maybe? I don't know. Uh, that uh, uh, she actually became, um, 
she started wishing that Jeff would just go away uh, because her school uh, her school chums made fun of her. They called her the you know the Dolby Spook. Um, uh, she was she ended up being kind of ostracized uh, by the community and you know where she went to school. And uh, later on, she said that uh, if it had been up to her and her mother, that they never would have told anybody else about Jeff, that they just would have kept it a secret. But it was their dad who who actually started talking to reporters uh, uh, about what was what was going on. And and in fact, years later, uh, when Vori was around 52 years old, a reporter for Fate magazine actually was able to track her down, um, and and she agreed to talk to him. She had never talked to anybody uh, after she had moved away from the house uh, w- when she became an adult. But she agreed to talk to this guy, and uh, and she said that uh, Jeff basically um, you know, that everything that was reported about Jeff was true. It wasn't a hoax. She didn't hoax it. Her mom or dad didn't hoax it. That uh, whatever it was, it actually happened. But she wished it never did because it did. It ruined her life. She said that she was always she was afraid to ever get married because she thought that no man would ever want to marry her if they found out that she was, you know, that that Vori, that person who was involved uh, uh, with the, uh, the 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 talking mongoose. Uh, uh, situation. So, I mean, here, here you have this, this poor girl. And, you know, I really feel sorry for her because uh, Uh from the age of 12 for the rest of her life, she kind of had this, this sort of Damocles hanging over her head, you know, constantly wondering if somebody was ever going to find out who she was. And, and, you know, what was going to happen? Was she going to get fired from her job? Was, you know, were her friends going to turn away from her? Because she saw that all happening, you know, when she was a kid. You know, was this going to also happen uh, when she was an adult? So she just refused to talk about it. Okay. And, Tim, it gave us a solid background of you know uh, the family you know what, what was going on inside the house and you know, you, you, know, you do bring in uh Tim Beckley you, know, you have some other uh, uh friends who uh collaborate with some o- other sections where uh you know like the, the, there is a documented case of um uh, the, the squonk from uh, in northern Pennsylvania, and, and you get um, a talking squirrel case. It, it, you know what? What did your uh, you know co-authors bring to understanding uh, Jeff? the The main thing was that out of all of this time, the Jeff case is unique, 
perfectly unique. There really has not, at least as far as I have been able, and and you know the the other people that I have you know uh, put on to to try to you know locate anything closely similar to the Jeff case, and uh, the, so so we've included in the book a couple stories. Uh, uh, like you said, we had uh, um, uh, Paul Dale Rogers who who had the uh, uh, the alleged uh, talking squirrel, uh, but this was a case where it was something that it was very brief, and and then it never occurred again. And then we uh, have our, our, our writer by the name of Hercules, who uh, came up uh, with this uh, um, um, legend. Uh, mythology on the East Coast about a, uh, a creature called the Squonk that uh, that apparently could talk. But as for other cases of uh, allegedly of an animal that uh, uh, talked for as long as Jeff did, and uh, and 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 exhibited a personality and intelligence like Jeff uh, did. We have nobody has has come up with with anything even closely similar. Uh, probably the only things that 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 come even close to to being like Jeff are some cases of of poltergeist hauntings that evolve into. Um, uh, a, 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 a talking poltergeist, which is uh, they're very rare. Uh, on their own, we have uh, the Bell Witch case from uh, Tennessee mm-hmm. in the early 19th century. She's probably, or it, you know, however you want to describe it, is is probably the one case that has um, you know any similarities uh, because uh, the Bell Witch uh, talked incessantly for years. Uh, the difference was well, and you know there were similarities that you know the Bell Witch uh, liked to gossip uh, as well. She would go and you know uh, listen in on the neighbors and then come back and tell their stories. Anybody who would visit the uh, the farmhouse, uh, the uh, the 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 Bell Witch, and you know that was the name they gave it, the Witch, when actually it was just a disembodied voice. Um, but this voice would reveal anybody who came to their house to visit would reveal their innermost personal thoughts or demons or, or what have you you know if you uh, uh uh beat the dog the bell witch would you know like ah you know old old roy here he beat his dog before he came here you know things like that um uh, now jeff never never conducted any kinds of violence on uh, the Irving family or, or anybody else. He made threats, but he never did. While the Bell Witch was very fond of slapping people or uh, uh, biting them or, or doing all kinds of, you know, just, you know, mean and nasty things, uh, Jeff never did anything like that. Um, there, there have been some other uh, talking poltergeist uh, uh, cases. None of them, though, have uh, had uh, the length or the legs, so to speak, to, that lasted as long as uh, uh, the Jeff case. Jeff case is so unique 
uh, that's what that's what makes it so fascinating uh, uh, because there really has you know there hasn't been anything else that anybody's been able to uncover uh, even closely similar uh, uh, to the Jeff case, which which naturally leads a lot of skeptics uh, to come to the conclusion that it was all uh, just a hoax that that somehow uh, the Irvings or Vori or or somebody. Uh, managed to pull this massive hoax for all of these years, and uh, and then and then get away with it. Okay, and and, and you know, some of the other uh, case studies where you know, there's uh, you know there's like uh, some medieval bishop or uh, uh, from France. Um, like there, you know, there were some uh, stone throwing. You know, you have Jeff doing that at times. Um, you, you and your uh, collaborators do do provide some samples of you know, cases out of history where th- there were similar behaviors. Uh, is there a connection between? Some of these, uh, it, like poltergeist cases, uh, happening to um, you know, the, the 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 bishops or you know the, uh, church figures and uh, you know the Irvings. Well, that would uh, it would it would it would be great if we if if I could give you a definitive answer, but I can't. You know, uh, you know, I'm 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 not going to say that uh, that that yes, this you know this definitely um, you know has has a connection you know one way or the other mm-hmm. uh, because because we simply don't know. Um, the unfortunate thing you know about the Jeff case is that it happened at a time when um, and and in a location uh, when. You know, you, we didn't have. They didn't have access to say that. You know, the farmhouse had no electricity, uh, so there was no way that anybody could take, say, like a dictaphone there and try to get catch a recording. You know, of Jeff. There was pictures taken uh, uh, at the location of the family, and uh, and Vori even managed to uh, 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 capture some pictures, supposedly of Jeff. Um, samples uh-huh. of his hair that Jeff uh-huh. provided. Uh, were examined and found to be uh, from the uh, the family's dog. Uh, uh, the there was uh, 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 Harry Did Price the sent uh, the footprints. Harry Price sent uh, plastiline clay for Jeff to you know like uh, to to put his uh, uh, feet into to try to get impression and also uh, uh, bite marks. Um, when these were examined, though, by um, uh, experts in, uh, um, um, you know, animal husbandry, they could not find any kind of of correlation between these footprints and any animal uh, that they knew. The only uh, the only one that even came close, one expert said, looked kind of like a, uh, a raccoon's uh, paw, which uh, uh, which was that's kind of interesting because. Uh, Jeff always claimed, and then the Irvings, you know, agreed because they they were able to catch glimpses of his front hands. 
that they weren't normal paws as you would think of like an animal would have a paw. They looked uh, they were described almost as looking like a doll's hands. I mean, he actually had little fingers and a uh, uh, and apparently an opposable thumb uh, that uh, he was able to grasp things and, uh, and and he claimed that that's what he used to throw things around the house in a poltergeist uh, uh, type uh, uh, fashion. Uh, one time, the uh, Margaret Irving had given Jeff. Uh, a bowl of, of porridge to eat. Uh, he had uh, what uh, what they called his sanctum, which was on top of their enclosed uh, staircase in the uh, uh, in the living room, and he was mm-hmm. up on top of that, uh, you know, eating this porridge with a spoon, uh, like any polite uh, 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 mongoose would, I suppose. And uh, <laughs> they had given him they had given him a candle so he could see what was uh, what he was doing because this was night. And the house was was dark anyway, even in the daytime. And at night, uh, it was you know it was almost inky black. So you always had to have candles or lanterns uh, to see your way around. But at one point, uh, uh, the shadow of Jeff uh, reflected by this candle. They could see, and he actually held up his paw to see that it looked like a little hand. Uh, so, you know, again, you know, what, what are you, what are you dealing with here? Um, uh, you know, you mentioned some of these, these older cases of, of, of poltergeist hauntings and, you know, talking poltergeist, you know, a lot of these, uh, from the, uh, the, you know, like the, the 15, 1600s, uh, but, but nowhere do we have anything, uh, even coming close to uh, uh, being similar uh, with these these older uh, haunting and poltergeist cases that we do with the Jeff case, because not only do does the Jeff uh, uh, case have incidents of poltergeist types of activity, definitely paranormal type of activity, but then we also have these more um, mundane, almost, you know, physical types of things, you know, like Jeff uh, uh, holding up his paw for, for people to see. The fact that he ate, you know, his favorite foods was uh, uh, biscuits and, and chocolate. Uh, he liked the lean bacon as, as well. Um, uh, he would kill rabbits uh, for the family uh, and, and bring them home for them to, to have, uh, you know, have for dinner. Uh, uh, Jim Irving would uh, uh, recorded every every time that Jeff would kill a rabbit and bring it home, and it's like probably by the end of his uh, journals, he had killed you know like at least three hundred rabbits over these over the years. Uh-huh. So I mean here here we have this 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 really bizarre set of circumstances where it's it's. You know, a combination of uh, a, a, of a haunting, or or is it is is it a real creature, or a little bit of both? Uh, 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 uh-huh. There's um, you know, there's all, there's also a couple of cases where apparently Jeff had the ability uh, to shape shift uh, because uh, right. Jim and, and and Vori one time saw this uh, saw a large uh, uh, like a Manx cat which is a tailless cat uh, uh, in their yard. 
and they followed it around for a little bit, but then it just uh, it just vanished in front of their eyes. Uh, Jeff later would say, that was me you saw, Jim. Uh, there was another time when uh, a couple of gentlemen came and visited the, the Irvings. They were uh, sitting in the living room, and one of them uh, reached down and something held it in his lap and was stroking it. And, you know, they were like, um, what are you doing? They thought he had, you know, like flipped his lid or something. He's like, well, I'm petting their cat. But whatever he had was invisible. Nobody else could see it but him. So, you know, it's um, the, the Jeff case is just, I mean, it's just situation after situation of, of bizarre uh, uh, incidents that um, uh, really defy, and I, uh, I'll use the word conventional explanations, but okay, what I mean by conventional explanations, because, you know, uh, paranormal researchers have pretty much categorized, say, like uh, uh, poltergeist types of hauntings, you know, into, well, you know, a poltergeist will knock on the wall and steal things and throw stones and, you know, maybe talk, uh, and occasionally you'll see an apparition, but that's it. But, you know, the Jeff incident, it was kind of like all of the above and more, which, you know, uh, this is what makes this case just so not only wonderfully fascinating, but just, you know, pull your hair out maddening as well. (laughs) And attempt to make things, you know, even more uh oh, let's see uh compelling is you know, I, I was reading through the book you get these uh you know the one case where or the you know, sample where um Vori was locked in her, her room when Jeff was Yelling, and yeah, uh, and I think one of the researchers was there. So it, it, yeah, it was really difficult for the researchers to have the whole family being observed with Jeff scurrying behind the paneling and you know, singing. Or shout, shouting his obscenities, or uh, saying, you know, I, I don't want to talk because I, I, you, know, you doubt that I exist. You know, you know those little phrases that he said. So, there, the uh, journals that you know the researchers uh, wrote, and you include in your book. Yeah, there, there is. Yeah, uh, part of you know the possibility of uh, you know was Vori being a ventriloquist? Uh, you know, is this all part of a hoax? You know, you know, we have to bring that involved because it, it was just very difficult for the whole family to be together with Jeff doing his, uh, you know annoying chattering for two hours in a row. 
naturally from the very beginning it was it was suspected that that Mm-hmm. This was a hoax. Um, you know, right. the, one of the very one of the very first uh, um, newspaper headlines that I ran across. Uh, you know, it, it, it said, uh, "What was it? it?" Was along the lines of, you know, the uh, uh, Manx man weasel. Because uh, uh, early early on, it was called the man weasel because uh, he talked. Uh, uh, could the could the uh, uh, Banks man weasel uh, be the daughter as a ventriloquist, or, or you know something along those lines? Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and and in fact, um, years later, uh, during a uh, a radio program uh, on on the island, a a friend who grew up and went to school with Lori claimed that uh, that she was uh, really good at throwing her voice. That uh, you know she could uh, you know she could throw her voice, make it sound like it was coming out of the closet or you know underneath the desk, and, and that uh, she could also make uh, uh, animal noises and 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 do things like that. Well, um, when all of this happened, you know, in the in, in the 1930s, people did believe that a ventriloquist could actually throw their voice, that they could, you know, that a ventriloquist could make their voice come from, uh, uh, you know, someplace, someplace else. You know, of course, we now know that that's, that that's not true. It's just, you know, it's just a matter of, of distraction that, you know, ventriloquist uses a, uh, uh, uses a dummy. People are looking at the dummy and don't notice, you know, if the ventriloquist is actually uh, doing, doing the talking. So, um and and Vori herself, uh, years later, she said, "Look, if if I was that good of a ventriloquist, yeah, you know, I would be on the stage or on television, you know, making thousands of pounds a month or you know a week, uh, rather than uh, being a machine operator, you know, like I am. You know, you know, nobody could be could be that good." Um, some of the uh, uh, local reporters. Uh, said that at one point, while they were they were out with with Jim walking on the path looking for Jeff, uh, that Vori would hang behind them and squeak and make animal noises, and then Jim would like point at a at a hedge in front of him and say, "Yeah, that's the the voice is coming from there." So I have no doubt that at times um, Vori did. You know, do stuff like that. You know, uh, practically any kind, any poltergeist case that that I have ever researched, and, and other people have researched as well, there will be points uh, when there are kids involved that they are going to do something uh, to you know to, to to play a trick or to prime the well, uh, so to speak. You know, some of these uh, uh, the children, you know, they would they would tell investigators that. If they would go and do something themselves, say like when everybody's back was turned, you know, throw something against the wall, that that would kind of uh, 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 get the energies flowing, so to speak. Then the poltergeist uh, would start uh, uh, doing stuff on their own. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely think that Vori probably was responsible for for doing some stuff, but to be able to fool her parents 
for all of those years, mm-hmm. I I doubt that. I seriously doubt that. You know, you have to remember that the Irvings, uh, they had already they already had two grown children by the time Vori came around. So they they just they didn't you know they just hadn't fallen off the the parent uh, cart. You know, they knew they probably knew every trick in the book that a kid was going to do. You know, Vori may have been able to fool them for a couple of days. Uh, but for uh, years and years, no, there's a, there's no way. Nobody could be I, – I seriously do not think that anybody would be that gullible. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, you have to realize also that uh, 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 Jim especially, I mean, uh, uh, you know, he was, he was born in the 19th century, and he was a – he was a stern father. I mean, you know, he was not going to go and, uh, and, and let a kid go and just, you know, run, run him up like that and, and, and be fooling him and, 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 and everybody else. So I seriously uh-huh. do not think that Vori would have been capable all those years, uh, of, of creating a hoax. And I don't think that, uh, uh Jim, Irving from from the descriptions and of course unfortunately you know by the time that we have uh, come to all of this you know, everybody uh, has has passed away Vori was the last she passed away I think it was in 2005 uh, when uh-huh. when she died so uh, uh, but and and the the people in the community they suspected that possibly. Margaret and Vori were hoaxing their father, Jim, in an attempt to try to scare him enough that they would move back to England, that they wanted to move back to England, uh, but Jim didn't want to, and that by doing this, you know, uh, this hoax, that it would scare him enough that he'd sell the farm and they'd they'd move back to England. Well, (coughs) if that was the case, just the opposite happened uh, because, you know, Jim ended up uh, uh, dying in the house in uh, 1945, I think is what it was. (coughs) Excuse me for a second. Excuse me for a second here. Okay. So um, I, I really just... And, and of course, this is, you know, all of my information and everybody else's information <coughs> is coming, you know, secondhand at the closest, uh, firsthand from uh, uh, Jim Irving's writings. It, it, it doesn't appear like that, that this family is conducting a hoax because why? Um, they're there wouldn't be any financial gain. There was never any financial gain uh, uh, from this case. Even Harry Price, who who, who wrote a book about this, uh, The Haunting of Cashin's Gap, it only sold maybe 400 copies and then was never reprinted again. Uh, so, I mean, there was, no, there was no money to be made from this. Their neighbors, who already probably viewed them with somewhat of a suspicion because they were uh, the Irvings were outsiders you know they they did they right. weren't born on the island they moved there uh, uh from England so you know after after all the stuff with Jeff I mean you know they they probably shied away from the family even more 
so to consider that the Irvings were conducting some kind of hoax, it just really seems doubtful for me because uh, just, there would have been no reason for it. Uh, so I mean, it just it just always has led me to believe that that something unusual was going on in that farmhouse, and it's just open to you know anybody's interpretation on just exactly what was going on. Yeah, and Tim, uh, the, another point that's brought up in the book is that there were uh, basically no trees on the Isle of Man, uh, you know, no bushes around the house. So there's, you, know, you can see if someone is approaching the house from a long distance away, no one can hide behind something you know, under the window and you know, make the little uh, ventriloquist sounds with you know, you know, the people being uh in the living room with the investigator and then you might get you know, scurrying in different parts of the house it, it, it just it, it doesn't add up that it's a hoax right and, and, and... It, oh, ahead, and I was just going to so so since it seems Unlikely that it's a hoax. You know, there are, are uh, in the you know the journals from the uh, London uh, psychic uh, group that you know comes out to the island, and they do talk about that uh, Vori is at an age where you know, it's like these uh, uh, the medium skills are. You know, like at their uh, strongest, and uh, you know, they eventually, uh, like her, her uh, Vori's skills would uh, seem to taper off, which uh, w- was unusual. That that was brought up in the uh, McDonald's uh, uh, journals. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, I'll say this first: is that uh, the the Isle of Man, there are trees, you know, on the island, and and there are there are you know bushes and hedges as well. Uh, where uh, Cajun's Gap was located, though, it was on top of a very high hill, uh, a rocky hill, uh, and uh, there there weren't any trees around the house. There there was the uh, one of the paths that led away from the house. At a certain point, had um, had hedges on either side, or hinges, as they're, as as they're called. But as for around the house, you, yeah, you're absolutely correct. I mean, there there would have been no place, uh, you know, for anyone to uh, sneak up on, you know, on, and, and and try to hoax them. Um, <clears throat> you know, you have the outbuildings, the barn, things like that, but they were quite a distance. Uh, from the house, uh, and as well, the Irvings had geese. Now, I don't know if you are familiar uh, with geese, but geese are much better than dogs at uh, alerting you if anybody or anything strange is coming up to the house. 
because they will make a fuss that will wake up anybody in a mile, a couple mile distance. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the thought that maybe, you know, like somebody, a neighbor or somebody like that, you know, may have been hoaxing the family is, is really silly. And, uh, 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 just, it, it, it wouldn't have uh, been able to happen now. Um, a number of visitors to the house. You had mentioned earlier about how at times it was difficult to have uh, all three family members together at one point to be uh-huh. able to tell if somebody you know, was, was trying to imitate the voice of Jeff. And, and, and I should say also that it was reported that Jeff's voice was extremely high, high-pitched, squeaky, you know, it, it, it didn't sound human. Uh, people always described it as just being uh, uh, very high-pitched and, and not sounding like it came from a normal uh, uh, human's voice. But, um, you know, there, there were uh, some occasions uh, when, say, like uh, uh, Captain McDonald, who uh, had been sent to the farm a couple of, uh, more than a couple of times by Harry Price, and had got to know the Irvings extremely well and and uh, uh, visited them a, a number of times. But um, he was able to uh, observe uh, all three family members uh, very closely at times that uh, uh, that Jeff was talking or doing things, you know, because, again, uh, Jeff would uh, throw things uh, from tiny, tiny cracks in the wall uh, at people, um, um, uh, packing needles, rocks, uh, uh, candy, little pieces of candy, things like that, you know, hitting people in the heads uh, with them or or, uh, or, or at times, um, <clears throat> this didn't happen to uh, Captain McDonald, uh, but it happened to one of their visitors where uh, uh, Jeff allegedly um, urinated on him from uh, uh, one of the uh, um, posts on the ce- in the, uh, the ceiling. Uh, where uh-huh. Jeff would uh, uh, run back and forth, and you know they were like, "Oh, what? You know, your roof is leaking," and they're like, "No, that's uh, Jeff doing his natural business." And they're like, "Yeah." So, and it's unfortunate because you know nowadays, you know, we've got you know uh, wonderful technology that you'd be able to analyze something like that to tell, uh, you know, the DNA. You know, where where is this coming from? If you know, this this was actually a, you know a physical creature, even though it could do physical things. You know, you'd be able to tell just exactly where that urine <laughs> was was coming from. Um, but uh, going back to Captain McDonald, there was a couple of times when um, Jim Irving would send uh, Vori, who naturally was uh, had been uh, assumed that somehow that she was. Uh, 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 producing Jeff's voice either through um, natural or, or maybe, as you said, you know, like as almost like a medium, uh, mediumistic uh, uh, abilities. But uh, they they sent her out to uh, collect chicken eggs uh, uh, from the barn, which was uh, a distance from the house. But uh, Captain McDonald could keep his eye on her, but Jeff continued to talk in the house. So you know, unless uh, unless. You know, Vori was was really good at throwing her voice vast distances. You know, um, 
to me, I mean, that really seems to uh, you know preclude that uh, that that she was she was hoaxing it. Um, <clears throat> now, as you mentioned, there were visitors um, that were mediums, spirit mediums themselves, and uh-huh. they always came away with the impression that that there was some kind of connection between Vori and Jeff. That that somehow whatever it Jeff was that it was drawing energy from Vori. Um mm-hmm. uh, and you know Nandor Fordor himself he he speculated that uh Jeff was a creation of all three of them. You know, the entire Irving family, you know, possibly, you know, because uh, 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 Fordor was a student of, of Freud. So he kind of uh, tended to look at paranormal situations with a, a Freudian viewpoint, you know, and he thought that possibly that uh, because the Irvings felt trapped and out of place uh, and, and living in isolation on this, this far ho- farmhouse, you know, on top of this hill in the middle of nowhere, that you know somehow their collective unconsciousness had produced this this thing, this this creature is Jeff. You know, but uh, uh, you know, some of these the psychic mediums felt that there was you know some kind of connection between Jeff and Vori. Um, but again, uh, Jeff always denied. That that he was a ghost, except sometimes you know he would be uh, uh, joking around and kind of like uh, yanking the family's chain. Uh, one time, you know, he said to him, "What was it?" He said that um, I'm 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 the I'm the ghost of a man in the form of a weasel, and I will haunt you with the sounds of clanking chains. Uh, you know, he he claimed that one time that he was uh, the Holy Spirit. You know, or the uh, the he was the fifth dimension, the eighth wonder of the world. You know, just the you know very bombastic types of uh, <laughs> you know boast and, and things like that. Uh, uh, but um, uh, he 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 always insisted that that he wasn't a co- wasn't a ghost. Which you know, I mean, it could be you know uh, uh, me thinks that uh, perchance he he protests too much. You know, type of uh, of, of situation. Um, <clears throat> uh, the the island of man, uh, Isle of Man, uh, has a rich tradition of 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 fairies and and elves and and and, and you know uh, apukas, elemental types of of spirits. And uh, uh, Jeff, a lot of times seems very reminiscent to me of some of the old stories of of um house spirits or or you know spirits of the hearth as they were called uh which would be like an elemental type of of spirit that uh, that would live at a house and it, it always stayed at the same house a family could move but you know the house spirit would always always be there and if the spirit liked you 
um, in the form of, of you know like fairies and brownies. I mean, it would um, it would take care of you. It would take care of uh, help take care of the livestock. Um, it would bring you uh, gifts. It would go to the neighbor's house and steal things and bring them to you, which which Jeff was fond of doing. Um, it uh, uh, if if you fed it, uh, it uh, it would return. Uh, the favors, which you know, uh, again, this you know, very, very reminiscent of the things that uh, that Jeff uh, Jeff did. So, as as some of these early spirit mediums um, concluded, Jeff may have been some kind of elemental spirit that uh, either you know lived in the house or. Um, uh, lived in the land, you know, around the landscape that somehow uh, became attached to the family, attached to the house, and through whatever means was able to um, to gain the energy uh, uh, to become uh, uh, really a lot more intelligent and a lot more self-aware than it seems like a lot of these uh, elemental uh, uh, spirits are. And, and for like I said, really for for quite a quite a long time. So there must have been a lot of energy to be had, either from the Irvings or from the the landscape. Uh, uh, one of the things that I that I attempted to do for the book, but I was never able to find anything conclusive enough to include more than just a few paragraphs, was to look at uh, to see if there was any uh, ley lines. That intersected in that uh, area, you know, lines of force oh. uh, with 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 Earth energies, because I suspect uh, because um, the the area close to the farmhouse, it does appear like that there were some uh, very ancient uh, fortifications, maybe some um, uh, monolith types of, of constructions at one time. But of course, by the time the Irvings were living there, these things had been, you know, destroyed, plowed under, you know, uh, taken away. So we don't, don't really know, but I do suspect that there, uh, that area probably uh, had some kind of, of, of earth energies going on there, which may have uh, contributed uh, to the ability uh, of Jeff to be so, you know, self-sustaining for the length of time that he was. Yeah, and, and Tim, there's, you know, some information brought up about a mass hallucination. Yeah, I think we can kind of rule that situation out to, you know, kind of look at the Phoenix lights. You, you just can't explain away uh that that experience where all, all these waking people observed and this huge triangular craft in the sky it it, it just that yeah it's not working out either like you know the so, someone hiding in the bushes well there weren't bushes it, 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 so, so that doesn't uh, work either. Uh, you know, this was all, the, the story of the uh, Jeff case is 
set around the time when, like, somewhere in, in that, what about this uh, time Jeff uh, appears? Wasn't that when that, uh, like, the first photo of Nessie showed up, and then you get some of those, like, little fairy uh, 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 photos, you know, like, that they were proven to be you know, basically photoshopped, you know, like early nineteenth century or uh, early twentieth century photoshopped. So, so there's like there's a little bit of evidence there that you know this could be faked. But if you look at you know the entirety that you know you do include. I, I, you have to look at it's just, uh, you know the, the the hair clippings and the little uh, paw prints. Uh, uh, like like uh, objective people from the London Paranormal Institute. There just there just seems to be too much evidence that there was something really going on there. Sure. Um, well, and you're, you're you're correct about the Loch Ness monster, the uh, uh, the 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 famous what's called the the surgeon's photo uh, yeah, came out. That, with, yeah, yeah, that came out. In, I think it was nineteen thirty thirty one, and the uh, the 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 fairy uh, photographs that uh, Sir Conan Doyle had uh, uh, popularized. I mean, those took place you know, earlier years years earlier, oh. and uh, oh, those okay, so uh, earlier. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was earlier, and those had been, you know, those were finally determined uh, uh, to be to be fake, and just very simple fakes too. The girls had uh, had cut pictures out of uh, out of magazines and had used hat pins to uh, 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 prop them up, you know, on the uh, the the leaves uh, leaves and things like that, and then just you know take selfies of each other uh, with them. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, you can you can never in a case like Jeff, rule out a hoax. Uh, I mean, you know, all the evidence, uh, you know, that we have, you know, all of the writing, all the people who have visited, uh, you know, it, uh, sure, I mean, it it could have been a hoax. Never rule that out. I mean, uh, never underestimate the ability of some people, for whatever reason, uh, uh, to to pull this off you know, and and fool people. Uh, nowadays, when people uh, 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 you know put on a really good hoax, I mean, there's some there's some really good reasons, uh, especially you know, with social media as rampant as it is, and and you know television and 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 all of that. Uh, but uh, uh, back in Jeff's time. And and again, you have to remember how isolated this family was uh, to to pull off a hoax like this for the the extended period of time that that this all took place. Just really, uh, you know, one would just have to ask why. You know, and, and and who has who has the energy, you know, to it, it, do it, it, this it, for so long? Yeah, and Tim, it just sounds like it, if it was a hoax, 
it backfired because you, you have you know a few photos, you know, you know family photos in, in your book where the <laughs> like the um, you know, being kept up all night with this you know, animal just incessantly talking <laughs> and. Yeah, you, know, you can't sleep. The you know, na- you know the whole neighborhood thinks you're a bunch of weirdos. It yeah, you know, it, it it took its toll on the family. It, it, it like a- after a couple of days, it seemed like it it would have gotten to be old. But this went on for years, and yeah, you know, the, you know there are photos that. It looked like it's you know their faces are careworn. Uh, it, it just it, the the hoax j- just really doesn't seem to uh, work out. The mass hallucination. Uh, it, uh, did, uh, did did they ever feel like they need to bring in? An exorcist to get rid of, you know, finally get rid of Jeff. Did, did that ever happen? No, that that was never, you know. And of course, yeah. nobody back then had ever heard of, you know, uh, exorcism. I mean, you know, that that didn't become a popular word till I, you know, the 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 book and the movie, you know, back in the seventies. Um, the 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 closest the Irvings, you know, ever did to try to do something like that was was right at the beginning when they thought that they were dealing, you know, with you know some kind of varmint in the wall where they, you know, tried to use a, a poison and traps uh, uh, to kill it. But uh, you know, I I've never I never ran across you know anything after that that you know they attempted to use say like uh, like a psychic or a medium uh, to to get rid of Jeff. Um, um, and and in fact, um, especially Jim, Jim became very interested in trying to find out, you know, just exactly what Jeff was and what was going on and to try to uh, get as much information as he could. And, and to do this, you know, he, he invited people, you know, uh, uh, investigators, paranormal investigators, psychic mediums, you know, anybody uh, who was willing to travel all that way uh, uh, to the island uh, and, and, you know, come and visit and, and see, but um, they were constantly being frustrated by Jeff uh, because a lot of times uh, Jeff just absolutely refused to, uh, to perform, uh, you know, especially, you know, Harry Price um, uh, visited the, uh, the farm for uh, a, a few days and uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff had told told the Irvings that uh, before Price showed up, you know, he said that, well, Harry Price is a disbeliever. You know, he's just going to come out here to try to disprove that I exist. So I'm just going to go away. And he did. He never showed up, never talked, never did anything. And then, you know, after Price left, Jeff showed back up again. 
that happened uh, a, a, a number of times, you know, when uh, some of these more high-profile investigators uh, uh, would would show up. Now, on the other hand, there, like I said, you know, Captain McDonald, uh, who was a friend of Harry Price and, and eventually became a friend of the Irvings as well, uh, visited the farmhouse a number of times. And, you know, at first when he, he went there, Jeff refused to, to talk or to do any of his tricks. But eventually he got to to trust Captain McDonald and uh, and McDonald heard him talk and and you know saw some of his, uh, uh, his his tricks you know throwing things out of the wall and things like that and and you know became convinced you know that that this was you know whatever it was that it was actually happening that this wasn't it wasn't a hoax it wasn't Vory you know uh, uh, tricking everybody or the Irvings you know uh, tricking everybody uh, you know it it got to the point. Um, where Margaret Irving especially, really, I mean, she was the one that got the most frustrated with Jeff, you know, because uh, say like after he refused to talk when Harry Price showed up, when he finally did come around, Margaret Irving just basically told him, well, why'd you show up? You should just, just leave now. He says, you come here and you talk and you cause us problems. And then when somebody, you know, somebody from the outside comes and wants you know, wants to prove that we're not crazy, you refuse to uh, show yourself. So why don't you just get the hell out? And uh, and and in fact, you know, it was they they said that it, it like uh, Jeff uh, uh, apologized, you know, uh, just you know over and over again, and was apparently almost brought to tears because Margaret was so bad at him. Yet time and again, uh, when somebody that uh, 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 that that Jeff didn't like apparently would show up. He would just disappear, and you know then these people would go away, suspecting that you know that the Irvings were you know perpetuating you know some kind of of hoax. So you know I can imagine the frustration and the anger, you know, especially with uh, with Margaret. I, I know that. You know, uh, Jim Irving would get frustrated, and you know, it doesn't. Uh, the records don't really show too much about uh, if he if he got angry, but I'm sure that he had to. Have. But uh, he would always he was always kind of the peacemaker between, say, like uh, Vori and Margaret and and Jeff. So if Jeff did something that angered the women of the house, then it would be up to Jim to say, "Oh, now you know, come on, it's uh, it's not that bad." But uh, I'm sure that he himself. Uh, uh, Jim Irving would just get to get just really frustrated about uh, uh, what was going on. Yeah, it, it is. You know, Tim, it sounds almost like the you know, the cartoon talking frog. Yes, uh, you're not the first one to bring that up. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that's basically what it's like, and uh, you know the. Uh, you know, guy who has the frog tries all these different ways to get the frog to talk to people, but uh, he he won't. And then when they're just the two of them are together, it, it just won't shut up. And it, and I I I could see you know you're kind of back to if it's a hoax, <laughs> it's not. It, it just kind of backfire. It, 
backfiring on the family. And one of the other researchers does bring up uh, this interesting point. Um, I like the term the uh, folly adieu, uh, where one has a stronger imagination than the, uh, like, you know, just say a uh, weaker person, and they you know, just kind of draw them, the, the, the other per, uh, weaker person, into their little fantasy world. Yeah, I think we can rule that right. one out. There's yeah, it's several different it, it, the several researchers uh, do bring up uh, a, a number of different psychological terms, and you know they kind of present the pros and cons of each one. It, it, it's and yeah, you know, they all just kind of come to the same conclusion. I, it, you know, I we don't know what it is. Uh, there's evidence for and against Jeff. It's just su- such a unique story. And you know, as of one of my uh, friends, uh, Angela's even said, yeah, it, it, yeah it's, it, it's an adorable story. So that's already some positive feedback. Yeah, you, you've gotten uh, so far in the hour and forty minutes we've been talking about this exciting case. You know, if it had just been the family who who experienced Jeff, if if everybody else who had visited the farmhouse had not had any kind of of experience, then. Uh, then I would agree with you that this could very well be the case of where you have a dominant personality uh, saying that something weird is happening, and then you know the the, the other personalities you know uh, tend to fall into line. You know now you know Jim Irving uh, was very much a, a dominant personality, but uh, then again you know Margaret, his wife, you know she wasn't a, 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 a shrinking violet either. So I mean, you know, both of them had uh, uh, fairly strong personalities, and you know, you, you talk about that though. It, it reminds me of a case where, and this actually happened, uh, uh, where this this man visited a psychiatrist and claimed that um, uh, that he was from another planet, and that uh, uh, and, and had written down all of these details. Uh, 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 about the planet that he came from, and that uh, uh, so him and the psychiatrist had him, you know, write down uh, more details uh, about uh, about his planet, and uh, the psychiatrist, uh, you know, kind of you know thinking that you know I'll bring him along, and uh, 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 kind of like maybe you know just kind of work this fantasy out of him. So the psychiatrist starts adding his own details, and then pretty soon the psychiatrist starts believing uh, and and adding these great details about this fantasy world, uh, falling right into it. And finally, this man said to him, "Hey, look, um, you know, like the uh, the past couple of months, uh, I've stopped believing in this stuff, and I've just been kind of you know uh, playing along with you." And the psychiatrist was devastated. You know, he had re- he had fallen into that trap. So yes, I mean, I could see 
where uh, uh, an isolated family like the Irvings uh, uh, could could get involved in some kind of of multiple uh, agreement on uh, an apparently you know supernatural or paranormal uh, case. Unfortunately, it's just not that easy because there are a, a, a number of other uh, eyewitnesses who had visited the farmhouse and had, had heard Jeff and had mm-hmm. you know uh, got hit mad you know by things that he had thrown at him. You know there was one um, one neighbor fairly early on had had reported that uh, they had uh, they had come up to the farmhouse uh, uh, to to visit. And they could hear from the outside, as they referred to it, the animal. They could hear the animal in the house screaming and talking, and just uh, to the point where uh, uh, they were quite—they were a distance from the house, yet they could hear it very clearly. And then the Irvings, you know, came outside, and uh, and you know all you know, all the family members were talking uh, to these neighbors, yet the animal in the house, as they called it, still continued to scream and curse and, you know, and, and, and I guess berate the visitors, you know, for, for sneaking up on them. So, I mean, uh, you know, you have these, these, these really great, and uh, even though they're, they're written down, uh, you got dates and times and things like that. They're still uh-huh. anecdotal. And you you know as well as I do, I mean, you know, the uh, scientific community just absolutely refuses to look at uh, uh, anecdotal uh, um, cases. And, 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 you know, and, and, you know, what scientist really is going to pay that much attention to a talking mongoose? <laughs> if they can't, if they can't catch it and take it to a laboratory and and make it talk to them in the laboratory, then it's not real. It doesn't exist. It, 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 Tim, what one of the uh, similarly related topics to the the uh, yeah. Convincing a less dominant personality to, uh, you know, buy into your fantasy. There, uh, you know, there. Uh, one of the researchers did bring up that you know, Jeff had almost become like a cult leader, and yeah, you know, there, hmm. there's like. Uh, uh, Personality, strong personality trait there, and, and that, that's another interesting aspect of this uh, comprehensive view that you uh, take of this, uh, you know, four-year period of insanity in, inside this house. Yes, um, it uh, uh, and you see you see this uh, with with other uh, poltergeist cases um, I, again, especially the ones that that, that end up uh, um, um, vocalizing, where uh, the the poltergeist or entity, whatever you'd want to call it. Uh, does become kind of uh, you know the dominant personality in the household, and you know I mean and 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 
you know, rightfully so, I suppose, because it um, it really has control of of all the situations. It knows how to push everybody's buttons. You know, it's kind of like the uh, 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 the movie posters. You know, it knows what scares you. Um, uh, so when you have an unusual situation like this taking place, whatever is going on, whatever this personality or intelligence is that is doing this, it will tend to dominate everybody else in the household, either through uh, keeping everybody on edge, uh, uh, you know, uh, scaring them at, uh, at, at, at times when you least expect it, Um, or, you know, or like Jeff, uh, you know, I, I think that Jeff would do this a lot of times by, you know, promising that he'd be good and that he would talk to people when they would come to visit and then, you know, and then disappearing. So he was constantly, you know, making these, these promises and getting everybody's hopes up and then, and then dashing them. And, uh, and by doing this, you just, you know, you kind of whittle everybody else down to the point that you know they anything then that you say uh they're just going to be like grasping at straws you know hoping it's true or hoping it's it, it's not true uh tim we're uh went down to about 15 minutes and um you know we have a few more uh, questions we need to get to. Uh, maybe we should not discuss how it ends and you know, just kind of get in, into more of bringing together this case and you know, some of the other things you and Tim talk about on uh, your show, like you know, you know the cryptids, and uh, you know last week with uh, uh, Joshua Shapiro and his crystal skulls and UFOs. Like, is there some kind of uh, connection between all of these? Unexplained phenomena. I think so. Um, there are you. You have um, researchers and, and writers and investigators who say they tend to favor, you know, UFOs. Or, or 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 Bigfoot or something along those lines. Uh-huh. And when I think that when you tend to concentrate solely on one type of unusual phenomena, uh, you tend to ignore others. Uh, I, I I think that one of the things that um, that 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 helps my point of view 
when it comes to uh, uh, the paranormal and unusual phenomena is that really from day one, I've been interested in all of it. Um, I've been interested in UFOs and ghosts and hauntings and, and Bigfoot and other cryptid creatures, ESP, you know, mind control, what have you. And so I, I think that I have been able to see uh, uh, connections with all of these things that I don't think that they are, for the most part, separate entities. I think that all of these things have some kind of underlying connection, whatever that may be. Uh, okay, say, say like UFOs. Possibly uh, there are some that are actual nuts and bolts spacecraft from from visiting us from other planets. Mm-hmm. I think, though, that a large part of the UFO phenomena has a paranormal aspect to it, along the lines of ghosts and hauntings and poltergeists and things like that. Uh, there have... There have been numerous cases, you know, uh, some of them that uh, I've investigated myself, where uh, uh, people will have, say, like a, uh, a UFO sighting, and then suddenly find uh, their house uh, haunted, or, or will have uh, uh, poltergeist experiences, or, or other, uh, what, you know, what would be referred to as high strangeness uh, uh, phenomena. Uh, take that and reverse it. Uh, I've I've uh, talked to some people who uh, would have say like um, a poltergeist just suddenly erupt in their house for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden uh, they start seeing UFOs. You know, um, uh, uh, people like uh, uh, Stan Gordon have have seen a, a definite connection uh, between uh, Bigfoot sightings and UFO activity. Uh, a lot of times uh, uh, areas that uh, will start experiencing um, uh, UFO flaps will also start experiencing um, uh, cryptid sightings as well in, 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 in you know, very close uh, proximity, not just Bigfoot, but another uh, uh, unusual cryptids, you know, dogmen, uh, 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 flying creatures that look like, you know, like pterodactyls or, or mothman or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I do believe, uh, no, I, I, I don't want to say I believe because I don't believe in anything. Let me let me say, you know, I'm throwing this stuff out there, but I don't believe in anything because belief is the is the killer. If you go and start believing in something, then if you're presented with um, with new information, then uh, you may have the tendency to uh, not accept that new evidence. Uh, because you've already got your mindset into believing something else. You know, I see that time and time again with people who are convinced that, say, like UFOs are visitors from other planets. And, you know, then presented with maybe uh, the idea that uh, at least some UFOs may be, uh, have a paranormal aspect, you know, whatever that may be, then uh, their minds just kind of shut down. And, uh, and, and you know, I mean, I Definitely, there are a lot of Bigfoot investigators who just absolutely, uh, you know, the, <clears throat> they would just uh, they'd get angry thinking that there may be some kind of, uh, say, like Bigfoot uh, UFO connection. 
you know, Bigfoots are uh, a, a, a physical primate, you know, living in the woods, and there's no way that, uh, you know, that they could be you know, paranormal or associated with UFOs or, or what have you. So, you know, that, and, and I always tell this to, you know, other people, you know, especially um, uh, younger people who are interested in uh, uh, getting involved in researching stuff is to keep your mind open and don't uh, don't fall, find yourself falling into a tendency to want to believe, you know, to set your mind into a belief system. Uh, because that's you're not going to be a very good investigator that way. Because you know, like I said, if you believe that Bigfoot is nothing more than a you know an unidentified uh, primate, uh, North American primate, then if you're presented with uh, some kind of contrary evidence, you're not going to look at it and you're going to ignore it. And there's good evidence that uh, you know may disappear. You know, so I'm always encouraging people to look at all of the evidence, even if it goes against, you know, your belief system. <laughs> well, it, and Tim, well, and you know, Tim Beckley and and the other uh, contributors to Jeff the Talking Mongoose, you, you know, all of everyone came together to uh, put together every side. Uh, I, I, I think you introduce a whole lot of information. You know, you're able to say, eh, you know, might be able to rule out this possibility, but you're still left with some core of a story that really can't be explained and you know, I, you know it kind of ties in with you know what what you were just saying it, 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 and I, I i just found it to be a a fascinating read and as you know we kind of start winding down the show um you, you know where can people get the book um uh, you know do you have any, any more appearances coming up to discuss it. I, you know, you know just really enjoyed uh, reading it and you know hearing you discuss it. And ho- hopefully, more people you know want to follow you to upcoming shows to he- hear more about Jeff. So, well, the book, where can they get uh, the, book? the book? Yeah, the book naturally uh, you can find it on uh, on Amazon dot com. Uh, uh, you can. You, you, know, you can find it at uh, your local bookstore if there's any actually that exist anymore. If they're not carrying the book, uh, you can ask them to to get a copy for you. But uh, but really, I mean, you know, Amazon's probably the the fastest uh, way to get it. You can order it from our website, which is conspiracyjournal.com. We've got the uh, uh, conspiracy. Conspiracy Journal Bookshop, where you can you can get the book uh, a, a little bit less than you can get on Amazon, but uh, we get a little bit more um, um, we get a little bit more money if you buy it directly from us uh, than than if you bought it from Amazon. I know you know most people don't really care, but um, 
you know, the, if we make a little extra money off of this, then, you know, we can turn around and, and make more books, you know, which is, you know, something that, that all of us, you know, Tim Beckley, Sean Castile, uh, everybody else who, who writes for uh, uh, Interlight Global Communication, you know, we, if, if, uh, you know, if, if we're able to get the proceeds uh, from one book, then that helps us the, uh, uh, write and, and produce another one. Uh, so uh, it's uh, um, either way, you know, Amazon or, or from our website, conspiracyjournal.com, uh, uh, you know, either way, uh, we just want people to read our books and to enjoy them. Uh, you know, that's that's the main thing. You know, we we love writing these things. We love doing the research and then the investigation. And, um, and, and, you know, if we, if we make a little money off of this, then that's, that's great too. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with making a little money, uh, you know, off, off of these books uh, for a lot of us. That's, that is our job. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, I, I, I just, uh, you know, encourage you, uh, our listeners, uh, if you're, interested in what we were talking about tonight check the book out for yourself because um uh, we didn't talk about uh, how this ended uh, and and it, it there is an ending uh, to it and it, it it may surprise you uh so you know uh, get the book and uh, and find out for yourself okay uh tim what's your next project well right now um I am. I'm helping uh, uh, Tim Beckley and uh, and Sean Castile put together a uh, a, a new book um, uh, about, um, um, about about UFO locations. You know, locations uh, uh, around the world which have uh, seen activity constantly you know so to speak uh, a desert location you know the mojave desert you know place places like that uh it's uh, the the working title is ufo strongholds and uh, it it should be uh finished in the next uh couple of weeks and then you know maybe uh maybe up uh, for sale by uh, the end of of march or or, or maybe the uh, um, the beginning of april and it, it's 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 going to be a really good book i mean you've got a lot of good uh, authors uh, contributed uh, to this book uh, uh you know like i said uh, Sean Castile myself Tim Beckley and uh, so that's uh that's our next project coming on, and after that, uh, we're we're putting together a new book about um, uh, 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 poltergeist and hauntings that uh, aren't necessarily uh, uh, friendly. Not, not like any of them really are, but this deals more with you know some of the more uh, uh, dangerous uh, situations. And, you know, that's that one is a few months down the line. Well, um, Tim, we're Barbara's giving me a notification that we have uh, probably less less than two minutes now, uh, probably closer to a minute. Um, yeah, I, I I just really enjoyed Jeff the Talking Mongoose. It, it was I, I I thought it was a thorough investigation is well done uh, I think the, the listeners would be captivated by it I I, I, I think 
everyone involved in it was um, did, did an excellent job. So I you know, wish you the best of luck on you know, uh, you know, getting the word out about hey, Mark, this excellent it's book. Hey, Mark, night. Okay. Well, there we are at the end of the show. We'll, we'll see everyone tomorrow night. We have a uh, special Wednesday night show. Thank you, Tim and Barbara, and we'll see everyone tomorrow night.